It was like an 80s cop show. That's our new theme song. Callie, you're late. You don't like it? You were supposed to come in five bars ago. Yeah, we were kind of vamping, waiting for you to come in on the... Uh, no uh, timing, this cat. When I got her from the shelter, they said this cat had timing. They said she was going to be a star. <laughs> they lied. What shelter was that? The Jerry Lewis house for wayward kittens and show business? <laughs> BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. I'm D. I'm B. The FM stands for fuck, man. And uh, we're going to talk about some, uh, we're going to probably talk about some sex. We're going to talk about some science. Very important science. Some, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, drugs, I think. I think pop culture. Might puff on a joint as the night goes on. And uh, most importantly of all, probably watch some TV. And we're going to watch some sitcoms, uh, some uh, cartoons, so to speak. This is not a rewatch podcast. We're not following any specific show from episode to episode. That would require all kinds of time and attention spans. And uh, this is more of a well, curated... It's a rewatch um, through time. It's about depth and, and it's about breadth. It's... We're rewatching every episode of every sitcom and animated TV show eventually, in yes. history, eventually, yes. if we do this for hundreds of years. Oh, no. But oh, God. What only... a black mirror. <laughs> we might be in a snow globe with John Hamm just making us, ooh, got the chills. But, I mean, is that really so bad, like being stuck in a snow globe with John Hamm no, for eternity? No, John Hamm was telling me what to do inside a snow globe, <laughs> I would say. If you were like... Oh no, I'm stuck. It's but snowing. Wearing, it's wearing snowing the outside from Top again. Gun. And I'm sitting in this <laughs> remote shack with John Hamm and there's nothing to do. <laughs> How many people would actually consider that a punishment? <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Handsome fellow, good actor, good company. Anyway, I don't know why we're fuck we're talking about John Hamm cuz we're not talking about, <laughs> He's not, not on either of the episodes of TV we've selected today. We select an episode and we bring it to the table saying, here's something. Yep. We say, is this anything? We're going to watch an episode. <laughs> We're going to see see what the, all the hype is about. We're going to watch along and you can watch the episodes in real time along with us if you go to our Patreon and uh, throw us a couple bucks. And... Um, but then after we watch these two episodes of Situation Comedies, we will come back and uh, talk about some issues that might have been raised by them. So let's get into it. I have selected an episode of the FX show, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, great. Cool. A newish sitcom in the, in the last couple of years. It is. This episode will be from the second. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The fourth season. So it is the, the, uh, the most recent season. So we'll do that next. And uh, But first, um, also a newish sitcom, I want to watch an episode of BoJack Horseman. Yes. Horseman. BoJack Horseman. And it's going to be season one, episode 11, Downer Ending. Mm. And because there's lots of fun uh, stuff that this brings up and kind of touches <laughs> on. This is probably about five years old-ish or something. And um, oh, maybe more now, maybe like seven or eight. 2014. This is an eight-year-old episode now. This wow. episode aired in August it of 2014. So new. It, it, I was so young and full of promise when this came out. <laughs> um, 
and what happened. Okay, so it's streaming on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can go back and watch the episode with us on our Patreon. Um, but if not, just uh, stay tuned and we'll be back after we watch it. This episode has been brought to you by Box of Flies. Subscription box, of... box, box of flies. Get a box. Are you sick of subscription boxes that have cute things in them? Like stickers or toys for dogs dog toys Underpants. or flower petals well you're in luck with this box you get every month or or whenever you want maybe every week you can every get day if you can take it they'll <laughs> send you one every fucking day if you if you want that many flies there's a lot of flies on earth and you can use these flies for anything you want feed them to your serpent feed them to your fish it's whatever you feed want. Them to your cat feed them to your dog your venus fly traps of course these are not appropriate for jupiter fly traps these are actually what cause damage to jupiter fly traps mm -hmm. but they are safe for the venus fly trap horses love them box of flies box of flies just apply at boxflies.fly And we're back. We just watched Bojack Horseman, season one, episode eleven, downer ending. Lots of fun stuff to talk about there. But please tell me what your recommendation. My recommendation is an episode of the show What We Do in the Shadows, not to be confused with the movie What We Do in the Shadows, which is related, but not quite the same. What We Do in the Shadows is an FX show about vampires and other otherworldly creatures. Which really, like, that when that movie came out, um, it was Take Away TD's first movie, and it was very underground. Like, people were like, have you seen this? You know, there's almost this whisper campaign. Of, everybody was talking about, you have to see this movie with one of the Flight of the Concords in it, and um, I didn't know who Take Away TD was at the time, but he's so funny in the movie, and he directs it. And based on the strength of the movie, he got a TV series on FXX. We're going to be watching it on a Hulu if you have Hulu, you can watch along with us. What's this one about? This is season four, episode two, The Lamp. It came out this year, in July of this year, 2022. Oh, okay. Um, and the, uh, the one about where he meets the yeah, djinn. Yeah, the djinn does come in this episode. The Lamp refers to the genie's lamp, and this is about Nandor wishing for some things. Okay. We're not going to watch. We're going to do a, a live watch along, and that that'll be available on Patreon. So if you're part of our Patreon, you can go there and you can hit play on Hulu and watch it right along with us while we comment. Uh, but otherwise, if you want to just skip that, um, just stay tuned here, and we'll be right back after we watch it. Today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, Fuzzy. Uh, badminton cages. Wondering what a badminton cage is? You're not alone. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what. It's a cage in which you play badminton. I assumed it's... it was a batting cage. No. And a badminton cage put together. Fuzzy badminton cages. You can get. Listen, I know you've never realized you needed a fuzzy badminton cage. And it is minton. Don't sound like an ass and say it wrong. Uh, <laughs> You need it because have you been playing badminton without a fuzzy cage? 
Well, you've been doing it wrong. Ooh, that's bad, Minton. <laughs> that's wrong, Minton. Start playing good, Minton, with fuzzy badminton cages. If your cage of if your badminton cages is uh, is hard like steel, this can cause chafing and all kinds of joint pain. You really want the fuzzy ones much <laughs> better. Go put in offer code BDFM at bad. Mitten cage cages dot io slash fuzzy. Okay, we just watched two episodes of Delicious Television. Mm-hmm. The first one being Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman? Down or ending? Mm-hmm. Excellent. 111? 111. S1E11? Penultimate episode of season one. Correct. Not the ultimate one. But the pen, ultimate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this episode, let me do a quick recap. Let me do a slow recap. Let me do a, a full-bodied, just sensual recap. <laughs> um, okay, Bojack, a.k.a. Horseman, uh, washed-up actor. His biographer, Diane, is writing his biography, and he's been kind of, um, you know, lusting after her. Mm-hmm. That's not relevant. She's been writing his biography, and, she, and finally public. he has just figured out that what she's writing is not all positive. Mm-hmm. And um, and how could it be? Because she, he's, his behavior has been His behavior has been abominable. And so this whole first season has been about Bojack spending time with his biographer, falling in love with her, like he said. But falling in love with her, but also feeding her this line that mm-hmm. he's perfect and obviously all the while not living up to his own yeah. uh, vision of himself. She's been writing a very clear-eyed... <laughs> so he finds out that what she's written is embarrassing stories, um, flat-out bad shit that he's done, uh, etc. And so he, he gets pissed off. He goes to the publisher, Penguin Publishing... Uh, the penguin played by the intrepid, omnipotent, and omnipresent Patton Oswalt, <laughs> who has it in his contract uh, that he has to be in every animated series on TV. <laughs> and so Bojack gets pissed off, and he's like, "He's like, you're fired." And she's like, "You can't fire me." And penguin, the penguin's like, "We have to put something out, so we're putting this out." And Bojack's like, "Fuck you! I'll write a new book this weekend." Storm off, storm off, storm off. So he's like, okay, now how do I write a whole book in a weekend? So mm-hmm. he, he goes, drugs is the answer. And he invites his druggiest friends. Mm-hmm. Todd. Todd, his, his, the his, guy on the couch. Roommate, his, his roommate slash moocher slash guy on the couch slash. But also Played like by slash... Stephen Wright in uh, Half-Baked. Oh, sure. That was Todd. That was an earlier yeah. incarnation of Todd, the Todd guy on the is, couch. Todd is an archetype, but but Todd, uh, uh, played by uh, Aaron... Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Paul. <laughs> Aaron Paul. <laughs> Aaron Paul. Um, he is uh, he is very helpful. He's, he's sort of Bojack's, you know... Conscience. Sidekick, assistant, little brother. Super ego. He, he, yeah, he, he serves a purpose, both psychological and... Uh, He's mostly the yeah. the force for good, but also, but he also he's in this ultimate slacker. And <laughs> he doesn't do much for good in this episode. He sort of well, goes along with a lot of. 
as the show progresses, um, Todd Todd's shtick becomes that he he's almost like Forrest Gump. He just sort of lucks into the weirdest predicaments, and then just sort mm -hmm. of like uh, uh, or big head in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Or um, uh, Peter Sellers in Being There. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the best movies ever made about politics. Yeah, Todd Todd just sort of obliviously skips through life. But anyway, he's happy to do a bunch of drugs with BoJack. And then Sarah Lynn from his TV show is there, now in her 30s. Also happy to do a bunch of drugs. Sarah Lynn's drug dealer is there, played by... Uh, Played by Ken Jeong, named uh, Doctor Who, mm -hmm. but that's Doctor H U. He's a Chinese doctor named Doctor Who, and of course they have hundreds of Doctor Who puns going on in the show. <laughs> and then basically Doctor Who is a crooked doctor who sells them a bunch of drugs, lots of pills and powders and booze and with complicated instructions that no one could ever hope to complicated follow. Complicated instructions, especially and they, when as high as they're going to get. Eating them by the handful. Oh well, the, and and this is the, the the core of the whole expedition is Doctor Who says these are what I give to college kids so that when they come to their term papers have written themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's their whole plan. We're going yes. to do a bunch of drugs, and the book will have written itself. And it gets really awesome and crazy and really scary when they're all like holding guns and but they're so high they don't know if their guns are brooms and they're like am i holding a gun or a broom and they're like let's shoot each other and find out and it gets really dark and then uh it cuts to later and there's blood all over the wall and you're not sure why and it keeps this this crazy trip keeps going and, the, yes. and, and meanwhile and, the and writing bojack and is blacking out and bojack's blacking out, blacking over out over, which is not the which first time turns into not the last thing. time this will happen in in the series this will um, be used to great, yeah great and intense effect a series, series of blackouts um because it's a series about an alcoholic who, who blacks out quite a bit yeah they said they're, no they're they're all writing and they're blacking out and they're popping through time uh at one point bojack wakes up the next day and um diane is there and she's being all nice and then all of a sudden diane turns into a blob and it says Ugh. it says not the next day actually only five minutes later and he's still tripping and and then it the the drug trip then just goes takes a left turn and gets kind of dark and then he's like mm -hmm. seeing he's like drowning in tar and he's Blah 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 blah. It gets really dark. He, yeah. That he has. Then he has a vision of what? What if I would have married this girl I knew when I was twenty, and we had mm -hmm. a kid, and we lived in Maine, and and then that goes away, and then it gets really introspective, and um, and uh, th yes, the peanut he scene. sees the peanut scene. Yes, that's what it was. He sees who is it? Is it Peppermint Patty from? It's Lucy. It's Lucy from Lucy Van Peanuts. It is Lucy. Oh yes, it's Lucy. Yeah, okay. Lucy is the one who sits at the. Psychiatrist, psychiatrist, psychiatric five help cents. five cents booth. Booth. He goes to the psychiatrist five cents booth, and he says, um, "Is it too late?" Which is really interesting because it kind of isn't at this point, but at some point, mm -hmm. through down his downhill fall over the next couple seasons, it becomes kind of almost yeah. too late. Um, yeah, it's funny when you you're you think you're at rock bottom and you think it's too late to fix what's happened in the past and then four seasons later you mm -hmm. can see oh you could have yeah you could have fixed it um there's, yeah, a, there's the a funny louis, louis ck joke um, mm -hmm. 
that is is um, like you often say it was him telling us exactly who he is but uh, <laughs> he he used to say um, yeah when I was dating uh, my my now ex-wife I thought that uh, I thought that I I just couldn't get out of it it would be too hard to get out of it so mm-hmm. I just went along with it and we got married and after we got married I thought oh I could have gotten out of it. <laughs> Oh. And now I can't because we're married. And then we had a kid. And then after oh, I had a kid, gosh. I realized, oh, I could have gotten out of it before we had this kid. <laughs> but I didn't. Now I can't get out of it. <laughs> now I'm divorced. So I did get out of it. And I could have at any point. It's sort of a joke about just like going on the the um, the railroad tracks that life lays out before you without. without <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like when you overhear someone saying. Taking. A, I'm 30 and I. And it's all over for me. It's all over like, for me. No, like, you're fine. I mean, you may not be fine, but it can get so much worse. <laughs> yeah, I've learned so much stuff since I was 30. In uh, fact, most of what I know now. <laughs> and I'm 32. Um, okay. And then, so finally it's over. He has a, a the conversation. Uh, is it too late? He he finally wakes up in a parking lot and Princess Carolyn's like mm-hmm. kicking him or something. And then... Um, it ends with with a oh, real. She, she calls him on the phone and tells him, "Here's what you've what you've got. Here's here's what oh here's, here's the book you've written. It's here's a the bunch book of, you've written. Yeah, and it's just unintelligible. <laughs> what is? Okay, uh, let's, let's see. Uh, Doctor Who erotic fan fiction. <laughs> Twenty two theories on how nine eleven really happened. <laughs> some recipes. Yeah. And, anyway, uh, and some embedded YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, and some YouTube videos that we can't possibly publish. Yeah, that's what they uh, they accomplished. So finally, he kind of um, is it a downer? It is a downer. He he goes to a convention where she is on the panel. It's a ghostwriters convention. Bojack stands up and he says, "I'm sorry, Diane. You were a better writer than me. I just was upset that you. I wasn't upset that anybody else thought that of me. I thought I was upset that you thought that of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes, "Am I? Tell me, I'm good." <laughs> Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm good. Yeah, he and begs her she to doesn't. tell him. It's she, a classic he, Bojack. He um, publicly begs her to tell mm-hmm. him. He's good, and he doesn't. And then finally, after a very long silence, Adam Conover's character, a comic book nerd in the audience, just stands up and goes, Hey, you're the horse from horsing around, aren't you? <laughs> That's the show. And that's it. Great right. episode. Classic episode. That's a good one. Start of a downfall of this character. I mean, he was he was always kind of on the skids, but mm-hmm. this is sort of a, a um, one spiral in the downward spiral. Okay. That said, why don't you tell us about your episode? Give us a recap of the WWID in the... Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, what we do in the shadows? Cosa facciamo? We watched um, for season four, shadows. episode two, uh, entitled season four, the lamp. Season four, episode two, the lamp. This is the episode where Nandor shows Guillermo his gin lamp, and Guillermo suggests he rubs it counterclockwise for once 
which he's never tried in a hundred years. And uh, yeah, he said, "I've rubbed this thing hundreds of times, and nothing ever happens." And Guillermo's just like, he doesn't believe in gin. Try rubbing it the other way. <laughs> yeah, so Nandor doesn't believe that uh, that gins or genies are a real thing, but one appears and is ready to to grant him some wishes. And what's been on Nandor's mind is that he has been wanting a wife. In fact, he has the lamp there because he has been he smuggled some treasure from his homeland as a dowry and he's been trying to get women around town to look at decided his massive dowry a wife uh-huh. he's decided that he's yeah he needs companionship so he's look worked out that he needs a wife and walking um, up to women uh, randomly on uh, city park benches does not seem <laughs> to be working yeah we will learn i think i think it's later and in... no 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 we've, we've already learned that nandor has had some like on-again, off-again human lovers that he occasionally sees over the decades. But his the yeah. la- the, that was last season, and she's not around anymore. She became a werewolf, and he gets, he's kind of not seeing her anymore. And we he's, vaguely he's lonely. know, although I don't know, it, it, it's been confirmed before this that he's bisexual and, mm-hmm, it, and, and looks at relationships with men and women as being pretty much the same. Yes, um, and which is kind of confirmed in this episode as he reveals yeah. that in the harem of wives that he once kept in Al-Qunadar, uh, his homeland, 37 wives, um, some so, of them were girl wives and some were guy wives. So he gets 52, the djinn tells him you have 52 wishes. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they got that number. If that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's um, historically. It sounds uh, like a year's worth accurate or something I mean, but yeah maybe it's or just they just like made it up yeah a bunch of which uh, a bunch but not infinite wishes and so his goal is he said i was i've only been in love once right back back when yes i had he, a harem he, well, he said he loved he loved ago. all his wives but one of them he really loved one of them was true love yeah quote unquote so i but i don't remember which one so mm-hmm. his plan is to bring back 37 deceased humans from hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. and one by one eliminate them and he does this by using all these wishes yeah and he's he spending just throws wishes. away yeah. wishes bringing people back and changing their hair color and <laughs> testing them in various ways to and see. then basically murdering them again <laughs> yes making he, them re-dead and then re-deadening them and guillermo's <laughs> like isn't that just murder this is all the the, a, the a story the b story meanwhile is um, about Nadja and Laszlo trying to work with um, uh, Kristen Shaw's character, who I think, what is her name? Her name is like The Guide or something. I actually right. don't know what she's called. Yeah, I think um, it is The Guide. Uh, something like they that. They just she's, call her she's like sort the waitress. Of, yeah, she's uh, sort of been like, over the, over time, she's been a sort of a representative, a liaison from sort of the higher ups to them and then now she's kind of become like they're kind of their co-worker in the they're all kind of working vampire council she's kind of an assistant yeah she's around because we love Kristen Shaw and it's just she's got to be there she has it um, in her uh, contract actually that she has to be in every live action, live action show yes show. yeah <laughs> I think she 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 and Patton it's actually it's a it's a contract. lady hawk type of thing so like when the sun sets he comes out and they can never be uh, oh. <laughs> they can never see each other. Yeah. Um <laughs> one one so, sign one contract signed in fire by the devil. <laughs> so Laszlo and Nadja are working uh with 
the guide to try to um, to try to build what Nadja is hoping is going to be uh, a very lucrative business for them, which is a vampire nightclub. She's all in. Her new thing is she blood wants, sprinklers. She decided she wants to have a vampire nightclub. Kristen Cabaret shows. Exactly. Yeah. Eventually, there's going to be. Uh, also, quick aside: uh, uh, if you don't know that Co- Colin, the energy vampire, uh, sorry to inform you died at the end of season three but he came back into season four as as a young spawn like this little mm-hmm. blonde boy with uh that act mark Probst's face uh yes he come, goes from a baby to a child with a, with a superimposed he's growing at an alarming face. rate he's basically becoming um he's growing back into his adult form in term in like uh Years, years in a week. Yeah, and he's a sort of a he's sort of a large toddler, small child in this episode. Um, This is before he he turns it. In the future, he turns into a cabaret singer (laughs) at the at the club for a while. He will, but while they're just designing the club or trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, create how they're going to build the club out of this this building that they're in, while they're doing this, they're running into issues with. the anxieties of the guide. She's not able to, to let them break things down in the house. She's getting really upset when anything changes. So Laszlo decides he's going to psychoanalyze her because he used to know Freud. And he <laughs> he uh, sits her down and asks her to, to go through some, some talk therapy and some visualization with him. And he's trying to kind of unlock her her secrets and see what he can get at. What he does find is that she has repressed some memories about once having slept with Van Helsing, a vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that Guillermo's has, that has made her attracted to ancestor. Guillermo, who is the descendant of, of Van Helsing. Um, so back, back with Nandor, uh, he's, uh, he's gone through all of these people and has, he finally does settle on. He narrows it down to one sort of plain looking middle-aged woman. Mm-hmm. And then he spends a bunch of wishes. He's looking at her like, mm, that's not just, that's not quite right. Can I see long hair? Can I see short hair? Can yeah, I see blonde? Yeah, he's, he's still trying to sort of change her around. So b- basically. And this will remain a problem. He, The look on his face is like, I've failed. You can tell that yeah. he has not found his soulmate as he planned to. Mm-hmm. But he did narrow it down to this one companion who's going to be with him for the rest of the this uh, season, more or less, and then something mm-hmm. happens to them. Yeah. But um, what? But what? Okay, and that's how the episode ends with him. The sort club of feeling, is in yeah. jeopardy, up in the air. Mm-hmm. Nandor's not satisfied. Mm-hmm. His new wife looks looks like she couldn't care less. Oh my goodness! It's uh, gonna be. It's problematic colin robinson is a seven-year-old boy maybe a little younger he's 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 got a hammer and he's he's just hammering at his walls guillermo um did have a a little bit of a boost when he found out Mm. that um nandor had both had some male partners yes guillermo's like oh you could do that back then yeah Mm. and so uh, you get a little glimmer that he's Gay we also we do see his first phone call. This is our first hint that he has a partner somewhere else, possibly 
back this in England. season. I think they they um, might have. Hinted, it was in this episode that I don't that want to say they've shown. never hinted he's gay, but yeah. they definitely confirm it this season, and uh, this is sort of a stepping stone there. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, what we do, uh, the magic of the podcast is, we did not discuss these episodes beforehand. But uh, we're going to see sort of how, what kind of theme uh, ov- theme overlaps we can find mm-hmm. in them. And um, let's just talk about why we picked each one before we get too in-depth about it. I picked this episode of BoJack because when I was doing Mushrooms last week <laughs> and, with you, <laughs> uh, when we Feel were... Do- okay. Well, um, do you want me to say with my friend... A smedley. Uh, no, I think it's okay. If a smedley. No, I, 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 if, I freely if admit. We, if we admit that we did mushrooms together last week. <laughs> um, and it was fine. But I had this profound feeling at one point that uh, I was wasting time. And um, the the feeling of being high was, was um, it wasn't allowing me. Like, I, I, I have this project that I've sort of been stuck on. And I kind of had this thought that. Oh, if I do some drugs, maybe I'll have a breakthrough with this project. Mm. But instead, I was just like, oh, I can't really think very well right now. Mm. And then I was like, oh, I'm kind of wasting time when I could be, if I was sober, I could be actually fixing, you know, coming up with a solution to this problem I'm mm-hmm. having. But so mm. there's this, there's always this idea like growing up, especially when you're in your 20s or in college or something, you're like, oh, you, you know, mind expanding mm-hmm. and you want to do a little bit of uh, mind you know, like uh, experimentation with drugs that are show you different perspectives. But then, all again, I'm on, I'm pushing fifty now. I'm kind of like, eh, maybe I, maybe my <laughs> mind has expanded enough, and, I've, and, and the drugs are actually stopping me from getting stuff done. Mm. Anyway, we can get more into that. But um, now why'd you pick W W D I T S? Uh, I chose this episode. Um out of several of the of the episodes featuring Nandor's harem of wives. Actually because of an interaction that I had on Twitter <laughs> uh, on our account. Follow at BDFM pod. We say a lot of hilarious things. If I, if I come across someone saying something like, and that's why men are designed, usually people like this are saying males. Males are designed to have a lot of sex and a lot of partners and females are designed to have less sex and fewer partners. And I just have to be like, take the gloves off. Men hunt and women pack. fingers. Let me, men hunt and women pack. That's amazing. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, And so there's a lot to get into about why that's wrong. How it's wrong. For what reasons it's wrong. How it sounds right. Why it sounds right. Because there's some things that are, Right, that are like just around the corner from it. Yeah, but um, this is like lazy boy logic or lazy boy reasoning. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or when you hear something that sounds kind of right, like mm-hmm. immigrants are taking jobs, but then if you do scientific studies, you see that immigration helps societies. Yeah. Anyway, that's just one example of yeah, uh, lazy boy wisdom. Yeah, that kind of, it's, honestly, it's pseudoscience. And women are this. Anytime somebody says, you know, it's the old women be shopping kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I always hated 90s (laughs) stand-up. I love (laughs) stand-up more than anything. But uh, there's a lot of 90s stand-up, and still today, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of women be shopping. There's a lot of men do this, women do this comedy. 
black people drive like this and white people drive like this. It, it's all it's, it's a little outdated. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. And that the the idea that uh, men and women have fundamentally different um, sexual strategies because we are so different. We might as well be different species as opposed to being the same species and on the same fucking team. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there are some things that sound reasonable like, oh yeah, it makes sense that men prefer to sleep with a lot of women with less commitment and a woman should want to have one man and, eh, and the brakes the brakes come on because you have to remember that all of this pseudoscience is is centered away from the experience of being a woman and is centered so hard on the male experience that a lot of a woman's experiences like uh fill in the blank for when women uh, just put in the opposite <laughs> just you know and there's not a lot of discussion of the women's experience so i was thinking about harems and while this episode of what we do in the shadows doesn't go into the dynamics of nandor's harem uh, in in his ancestral homeland you do see quite a lot of, of partners uh uh men and women um who are who belong to his harem mm-hmm. and uh interestingly an, he says nice uh, they're basically the same uh, <laughs> yes the, the male and exactly. female partners yes um unfortunately you know this episode uh you know, rather than for example <laughs> rather than nandor just re-entering this polygamous situation and just being like i'm committed to these 37 people so i just have to stay married and deal with it he decides that he's going to whittle down all of these partners to find one monogamous partner it's a little (laughs) it's kind of weird actually sort of thinking about like uh but he but you know it's because he believes that he has like one true love from all these people so and which in itself is is a silly metaphor for like dating all these people and rejecting them for trivial things like well this person beat me in something this person's smarter than me and this person Hurt mm-hmm. my pride in this way or that way, and so I'm going to reject them. Yeah, it turns into a dating show where he's giving out roses. and uh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, he yeah, literally is he giving out roses. In. But, yeah, I, I, I agree that the it, it comes from like a um, monotheistic, patriarchal kind of mm-hmm. um, idea that everyone has their one. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has their piece, their missing piece. He, <laughs> even Shel Silverstein was in on this. <laughs> um, yes. The missing piece is a great book, but um, now if you want it, I don't think everybody has a soulmate. The the the, the idea of a soulmate is really stupid, <laughs> scientifically speaking. <laughs> and and I think uh, Sarah Silverman likes to say uh, there's there's thousands of people within a mile of you who would be a fine partner. <laughs> you know, it's like there's not one person for everybody there's thousands of people who would be fine <laughs> and maybe some better than others of course of course some better than others but but yeah like you know and then when you find someone who triggers some uh deep buried like visual memory or something um and it's maybe that they look like mr rogers or something it's something indefinable you know it's nothing you could ever access but there's something where you go like wow I'm really attracted to this person, and then they make a fine partner, and you're like, "Okay, that's my soulmate." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's like, um, yeah. There's a level where I, I think that you don't choose who you're attracted to very much. I think it's sort of an internal thing that you just kind of feel when you're attracted to someone. But then, yes, um, yeah, being a good partner is uh, 
even more than that. Unfortunately, like the idea of a harem is kind of hierarchical, but what he's very close to is almost like a syndicalist. Mm-hmm. That's um, exactly it. Yeah. If he wasn't, the, the he he has himself at the top of these twenty seven or twenty eight people. Mm-hmm. But if he was, if he just moved himself off the pedestal into the same ranking, so there basically you just have a twenty eight uh, person syndicalist. Mm-hmm. Um, a polycule society, which sounds yeah. great. Well, um, this act- many communes, I think, are sort of structured that way. Yeah, that's actually the very point that I always find myself wanting to um, interrogate about harems, for for lack of a better word. This is like the anthropological word for it. Um, is that they are always assumed to be patriarchal. Um, and mm-hmm. and um, always assumed to be male centered, and the and once you throw queer sex into it, as it always does, it throws a wrench into the works because there's always been queer sex around. People have always done things sexually beyond uh, two people having heterosexual mm-hmm. vanilla sex in the missionary position. Um, there's always been more interesting things happening in a lot of different dynamics, and um, which is what what we do in the shadows is is about. Like, takes a lot of glee in being like, if you're an immortal creature, you would be having a lot of varied sex, yeah, to say the least. But it spreads the power dynamic around, though. Yeah. If, if but if you sort of take if you if you, um, I kind of feel like the reason that a harem feels patriarchal. Um, just as a concept has to do with our compulsory monogamy and thinking about how like um, well that would be terrible because you're upsetting the dynamic which is that you know the ideal is there should be one man and one woman so if you have all of these women sure the man's getting what he wants which is wild sex but all these women have to sit around and like they're not like no harem was ever just like fucking each other all day long while the guy was out of the room because that's that's an activity that might have been open to some of them. But also, like, we don't think of those people of, as building intimate bonds with each other. You know, I mean, I guess that's like Mormon sister wives are kind of an example of a stereotype of, like, uh, yeah, because, you know, co-partners in a in a supportive structure. But again, hierarchical. And again, hierarchical religions and hierarchical mm-hmm. political structures, which are historically been sort of... Um, just run by men mostly because you know i think out of habit a lot of it is out of habit but you know probably at some point um the 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 male people in um cave person times i know that's not a very scientifically accurate word (laughs) um when when humans were evolving up and, and men tended to be uh stronger had more muscles and bigger generally perhaps and this is a skeletal uh, structure yeah bears this out yeah <laughs> yeah it's not always true but in general definitely uh male of the human species tend to be a little bit mm-hmm. stronger larger and i think just just wrestling that sort of power <laughs> dyna- dynamic into a political and religious system over thousands mm. of years they just mm-hmm. put themselves at the top you know it's sort of sure it, it's sort of almost like a m- meme like a, like a 
it, it went from the physical to the uh to the um the the non-physical realm of of hierarchy mm. like social structure um just sort of by habit and it wasn't until mm-hmm. um you know relatively recently not just you know for hundreds of years people have known that scientifically speaking women are uh and in people of any gender or or sexual uh characteristics have the exact same brain potential mm-hmm. we know this this is like a proven thing but Just you wouldn't know that from time, asking some people the men held, like really held a death grip on the uh yeah the the reins of control but yeah a harem with a hierarchy seems really gross and out of date but mm-hmm. a sort of gender neutral mm-hmm. harem with no we shouldn't call it a harem. No, because it's obviously polycule with no leadership, but everyone has their own, you know, sort of dynamics. It seems very uh, a natural order kind of thing. It feels mm-hmm. like you know, like when stable a system COVID. comes to yeah, exactly. <laughs> stable <laughs> stable bond is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, like when a system comes to um, mm, equilibrium, an, an equilibrium where everybody sort of. And that's not mm. to say mm. people okay. there aren't power structures because you can have you can have doms and subs in relationships and you yeah. can have dominant people and polycules and subs, um, but those are chosen positions. Those aren't just given to you because you're a man or a woman. They're they're part of your personality. Mm-hmm. This what this made me think of actually was. There's a concept uh, in psychology called the Sternberg triangle. It's a love, it's a love triangle. It's a triangular theory of love. Um, it's just a, it's just a framework for looking at uh, ways to describe different types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny about it, and it was developed in 1986 um, by a dude characters? called Rob. Um, well, it. Um, Rob Sternberg. That's Rob Sternberg. The three apices of the triangle. That's what I'm trying to say. Three axes. Three axes. The three points in the triangle are intimacy, passion, and commitment. Now, are all three of those required? Of course not. You can have, you can have indeed none of them with someone, or just one, or two. Yeah, passion. Um, that's not intimate. Um, mm-hmm. What's the third thing? Compassion. Commitment. No, commitment. Yeah, you can definitely have non-committal passion. Yeah. So Sternberg gives us a name for each of these different, passion? for all of the different points that you could be on with someone. But but the way that this was sort of taught to me in Psych 101 or 437 or whatever was like, uh, it was like you know, where you want to be is inside the triangle where you have all three of these things. And then that would be like where you find your person. <laughs> Like, obviously, because we're all monogamous here, obviously, we're all looking for is one person who fulfills all these things. But if you look at this framework with the idea that you could have eight or 10 people in your life, it becomes very interesting because you can see like, wait a minute, there are some there are some points on here, like just having just having passion and intimacy. It's called romantic love. No commitment. And no commitment. Or just having intimacy and commitment, which is called companionate love, which is what I argued earlier in our watch along. 
exclusive to our patrons on Patreon. Um, I said earlier that I think Nandor and Guillermo have a type of companionate love, which um, maybe there's not a lot, not a lot of passion yeah, sure. on that side. Like but, buddies. Um, it's kind of a buddy relationship. Yeah. Whereas uh, you could say that Laszlo and Nandor might have passion and commitment without intimacy, perhaps, mm, because yeah. they really don't n- seem to care that much about fighting. They're constantly finding out new things about each other going, what? But you lived not, in wherever, and like, I don't really fucking care, but, make you know. each other come. Yeah. Yeah, and they're Sexually. obviously, and they're committed, they're like committed to having a life together, <laughs> you know, they're life mates. Um, Roommates. And what that's called is fatuous love, which I think mm. is kind of funny, um, It's but it's kind of judgmental. Fatuosity. Uh, if you have only intimacy with someone, it's called liking. <laughs> that's just being friends. But actually, it's not being co- committed friends. You can have only commitment, which is called empty love, unfortunately. What is that? That's, that's like stalkering. Thing. I think well, no, only uh, that would be that would be like a marriage that's gone on too long, <laughs> where you are committed legally, but you have no other like interest in each other. You don't have intimacy or passion. A financial commitment, yeah. These are all, I guess, again, covalent. I got to go back to chemistry class. These are all bonds that are like presumably on both sides, but obviously, if you open it up, that one person can feel one of these for somebody, and the other one can be feeling be another. That's um. There's permutations from there. Um, covalent bonds are good I, is a way to express it because um, they're not as strong. I believe ionic bonds are stronger, but they're so strong they rip the really? electrons right off the other. So they're almost too strong. They they are um, ionic oh. bonds are almost so strong that they sort of change the. Uh, okay, well, this is uh, this is for me, and anyone else out there who doesn't remember chemistry a covalent bond consists of the mutual sharing of one or more pairs of electrons between two atoms oh yeah, yeah. i remember this so that's like they're together but ionic they're simulously one attracted. rips it off the other and they're so it's almost destructive mm-hmm. it's like almost too strong too much passion the difference between their electronegativities is too small for an electron transfer to occur to form ions so they're too similar. <laughs> hmm. Okay. This is interesting. I remember having to learn this. I remember the anxiety of feeling like I was supposed to learn that. I never learned that. That's all I remember. Yeah, it's too bad that your teaching process made you feel anxious about things that are fun to know. I know. I think I'm unlearning, unlearning some of that now. There are also seven classic uh, Greek words for love. Which, uh, which are things like friendly love and sexual love and stuff like that. So we can make an eight-sided oh, octahedron. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different... It's like the Myers-Briggs personality test. There, <laughs> there's so many like words people make up to describe things. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all we can do is describe <laughs> things. <laughs> but... Um, that's a very acid love thought. Is such, That's a very like, psychedelic thought. It's like we're all oh, we're just trying all we to like say words things. to like yeah. I guess what I'm thinking the the cynical right. thought in my head is that our society uses the word love so freely it, it almost has no meaning. Um, <laughs> it, sure. It's just meant like yeah we we have this mythology of true love to blathe. <laughs> um, even though mm-hmm. Princess Bride is one of the best movies ever, it falls for this whole idea. <laughs> of it. 
soulmate and true love and one thing and um like lightning bolts and you know Mm -hmm. love is more about just liking somebody enough to be around them (laughs) you know for extended periods of time which is rare and then also being attracted enough to them to uh want to give them (laughs) (laughs) sexual pleasure which is sure um which is kind of not something you want to do to everybody yeah i have friends i don't want to give sexual pleasure to for sure but i like (laughs) them a lot and there's people i want to give sexual pleasure to that i don't like hanging around with very much at all (laughs) so i don't know how okay let's see how this folds in so my my drug experience the, the interesting thing about this podcast is I don't remember if I was saying this during the podcast or when, <laughs> when we were doing the Patreon. Uh, extended scenes, the extra footage, uh, yeah. whatever it is, the behind the scenes. The uh, If you want to be a close reader of the podcast and really dig in there, you're going to have to listen to all yeah, of the... Really all of it. understand what the fuck we're talking about. Then you're going to have to watch videos of the behind the scenes. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen to the bloopers. I've been sort of a psychonaut a lot of my life. I, I don't like hard, you know, I don't do heroin and powder. And just for anyone who pills. doesn't know that word, it's someone who is psycho and also naughty. <laughs> psycho and naughty. <laughs> um, no, it's like an astronaut for the mind. Well, you know, it's generally, you know, it would have been called a hippie, I guess, in the, <laughs> in the 60s. But, um, you know, drugs like marijuana and... Um, mushrooms psilocybin and lsd they're they're really soft drugs they're pretty soft they don't really have addictive properties they kind of make you feel and think things they give you new perspective and you know when you're in your college and in your 20s it's there's very much this idea that it's it's helpful to your mind to have these experiences from time to time um Hmm. i'm wondering though i sort of had this whole thought about for I, I want to use Buddhism as an example because, especially in Hollywood, but in uh, in America in general, we sort of fetishize Buddhism, and mm-hmm. I think it's a little racist because it's, it comes yes. from this sort of Confucius, mm-hmm. this sort of like the wise Asian mm-hmm. Orientalism. Um, Orientalism, right? It, it's it's differenting Asian people as exotic, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of people who were raised in some Christian faith gave up on it and then they were like oh i need a faith because you're supposed to have one and they go oh the wise chinese i'm going to become a Mm -hmm. buddhist when which is fine if you really love and want to learn about buddhism that's okay um but buddhism has institutional religious problems like Mm -hmm. catholic catholicism like like many sects of christianity and even like uh judaism has it's another religion that has mm-hmm. its issues. And I've always, the thing that I've always bumped on, you know, the story, I read Siddhartha a long time ago on my birthday, like 25th birthday or something. Mm-hmm. I remember I went to the bo- the beach and read all of Siddhartha because I was such a loser. <laughs> um, but, Aww. you know, the, 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 the idea, the story goes that Siddhartha, you know, sat under the Bodhi tree and reached enlightenment and became the Buddha. Um, mm-hmm. But but really, uh, Siddhartha was a spoiled rich kid who didn't have to do anything, was born with everything, and always had this 
he had rich parents and mm-hmm. could do anything he wanted. And he kind of bummed around for a while and he kind of mm-hmm. said, I'm I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be homeless and cool and live on he the He made streets. it through the great filter of not dying in childhood, right? not starving before a certain age. He was, he was able to survive to the age of having these yeah, he was able, Whimsical thoughts. you know, it was very on the road. It was very Jack Kerouac, sort of like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of privileged enough. You know, I think you see a lot of this you know, college students who have mm-hmm. rich parents who are like, I'm going to bum around, but if if anything happens, I know I have a mansion I can go home to. <laughs> and the the whole sitting under a Bodhi tree to reach enlightenment, to me, sounds like someone with, with the privilege to have time to, they don't have to work to mm-hmm. to put food on the table they don't have to raise a family they don't have to do anything because they have servants <laughs> and they have plenty of food and gold and they're sitting under a tree and mm-hmm. and enlightenment is like oh like madonna and life the doesn't matter and we're all connected and uh you know like you're going to return to the earth and whatever enlightenment is but to me the idea you know the idea of the guru on the mountaintop who's been sitting there and has a long beard and to me that person is just wasting Mm. the day you know the buddhist Mm. siddhartha under the tree is wasting his to me the search for enlightenment could it just be a fear of using your brain a fear of actually thinking and, and using your full potential like this Ooh, this sure. sort of I won't pick on Buddhism again, but this sort of this sort of mystical idea of mm. you know doing nothing and becoming Zen with it's also Buddhist uh, with <laughs> with the world around you. There's definitely good things about that. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but it's also sort of an entitlement to like, and it's it also seems like a like a fear of actually engaging the mm. most important thing we have which is our brains mm. and so like detachment as mindfulness yeah well, okay as, so there's as a shirking of duties it, it mm-hmm. almost like as it, as rick sanchez said to his therapist i think it's helped a lot of people stay calm which is a state of mind we value in our cattle but it's not something mm-hmm. i want for myself yeah exactly and i was thinking when i was tripping the other day that i should have been working on you know, I sort of had a panic and I was like, oh, time is running out. I'm getting older and I have all these open projects that I want to finish. And mm-hmm. instead, I'm wasting time with, with a drugged up head and I can't yeah. do it. And it, so anyway, I'm sure there's a middle ground. Like, I think it is good to mm-hmm. ha- to do a little mind altering from time to yeah. time. But I've known people who definitely done too much mind altering so there's mm-hmm. uh and they don't ever get anything done <laughs> um sure so i guess what i'm saying is i don't know what i'm saying i'm saying is what mm-hmm. how much how much drugs is the right drugs yeah well <laughs> bojack certainly feels like uh there's a perfect amount it he's start, definitely it starts escaping. out with just saying let me i'll just have a cigarette he uses the drugs <laughs> as an escape yeah, and there's that classic, and this this happens. We're both writers. Writer's block happens when when you're like, yeah, if I just have a cigarette, I'll think of the mm-hmm. perfect thing, and then you're like, oh, maybe I'll just have a shot of Jameson's, and then I'll think of the perfect thing. Yeah, 
uh, maybe I'll just uh, do one line and then <laughs> I'll be really sharp. And But it's actually, you, what you're doing there is you, you're relieving the distress you're like trying to relieve the distraction. Like you're going, oh, I keep turning away from my project. And maybe if I do this thing and I like get high, then I'll stop turning away and I'll, I'll be able to focus. I'll focus. But it's like what you need to do is you need to have a distraction that you can go to and do something for a few minutes, like play a keyboard that's near you or have a puzzle near maybe. you. Maybe. Or what works for me is this whenever I have to do the dishes, things, yeah. I find that I start to write really well on whatever I was just working on writing. I'll be like, mm. uh, I have a couple more sentences and you know, that's where my best stuff will come from is me going like, I don't want to do something else. I'm going to write to treat myself. Instead of I almost think we always have to. Starting smoking again. <laughs> I always make this compact with myself. If I can't write, I'm like, okay, well I quit smoking, but I, as a treat, mm -hmm. I'm going to let myself go for a drive and buy a pack of cigarettes and have a couple because then, uh, you know, the, the, deal, the deal is if I let myself have this treat, then I'll come back and I'll make myself work. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm not getting anything done now because mm. I have writer's block, but I'll give myself a little treat, which is a couple of cigarettes and a drive around the neighborhood, and I'll come back and then I'll be on it. Yeah. That's why I think distractions are sort of necessary. It's kind of like, I think this is why for many people it works well to put on uh, a streaming show that they've seen many times and for me if I'm sitting there writing or something and I have the office on in the background my mind is like I can't focus on that now I've got things to do and it like makes me feel like I'm doing something very important and it also helps that that's a show about people working in an office on computers and it gives you a lot of background noise of typing which is you know yeah nice to work to but and the fact that you've seen it before. That's what it's really about. If you know. You can fade in and out. You don't have yeah, to pay yeah. specific attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, which is also a sleeping technique. We and many of my friends are mm -hmm. finding more and more people use this technique. And speaking of evolution, I feel like we've evolved into sort of to all discover the mm. this sort of calming power of. Mm hmm having something familiar droning on mm -hmm. around you. Um, the playing, you know, a mm -hmm. Simpsons episode before you go to sleep mm -hmm. that you've seen a hundred times yeah. is helpful in sleep and it's helpful in writing yeah. too. I, I, I get it. And maybe a hundred thousand years ago, you were like falling asleep, listening to like the old people talking around the fire. And it's like the oh, same story, mm, same old story. Maybe. Grandpa's told a million times. I used to fall asleep to my parents chatting in the, the living room and isn't it and funny they do tell the same breath. stories over and over i mean not your parents specifically just we all do you could just hear i couldn't hear specific things i could just hear like as uh, uh, what's mm. the word susser susserations they were going okay well i have to explain that joke now <laughs> yeah they my parents the chacho family all they said was chacho 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 we found uh <laughs> My partner here, B, found this. Uh, my last name is Chacho, and it's a a rare Italian word or a slang word. Uh, Chachare is a verb, meaning um, to to make to busy yourself ostentatiously and make a, a sound associated with it. So it's an automatopoetic word, 
for basically being suspicious. I, 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 I basically, <laughs> I picture all of my relatives being just very suspicious it's all the shift, time. It's a shifty. And when, a, they were doing something uh, suspicious, and then somebody walked in and turned on the light, and then they were just like, nothing to see. It's kind of a nothing to see here. My name basically means nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. What? Me? What? Me worry? Um <laughs> Uh, but the susurrance of having listening to your your parents talking or the elders talking around the fire, I think mm. it's a deep thing, and I think we've sort of re, it's reemerged in our lives as familiar television, mm. and this is what this podcast is about, kind <laughs> of, because we've sort of seen these, yeah, we've seen these episodes before. They're familiar, but they they're very um, important to us. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess there are people who uh, watch things one time and they're done with it. And there are shows that you can watch one time and be done with it, I think, even if you're the sort of person who watches things over and over. Yeah. Some things There's I wouldn't Most shows I won't go back and rewatch, but a lot of um, familiar comedies just... And it's funny, they get less funny as you see them. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> but they, just, they just become like a familiar friend. Mm-hmm. I also I don't know if other people do this technique when I'm when I'm trying to get work done. Sometimes I'll have the TV on and some music on, so like a Spotify playlist blasting on that device. Mm-hmm. And on this iPad over here, I have Futurama, which I've seen before, and so it's almost like there's so much noise that it just mm-hmm. creates a shell. Sure. Of it, it's like uh, what what do they call it the the cone of silence or something it's like a it makes a cone around you that that forces you to work because uh mm-hmm. it holds you in or something something sure like that. sure yeah your brain sort of is kind of kept in with these sort of bouncy bouncy walls or something it's it's kind of given these parameters that's like you can bounce around in here but if you get you know out to if you're hearing this mm-hmm. line of dialogue, it's like it reminds you to not pay attention almost to that kind of Yeah. Refocus. But if you can't think of what to write next, you could turn your head this way and see Ben of the Robot say something funny and then you you bounce kinda of back in. Mm-hmm. Um or you sing a line from the Flaming Lips song and then you bounce back in. Yeah. So uh, where's the hmm. intersection of um harems and <laughs> and uh designer well drugs. i think it's really um evolutionary psychology and we're in both cases we're talking about like speculation on what ancestral humans might have been doing um and we're still trying to learn how our own sort of minds work uh you know after all this time both in terms of love and drugs and in 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 our work Mm -hmm. um and by the way when i say work um, all through this episode i don't mean you know working from the company that you go to to clock in i'm Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like the work things that you're passionate about like we all have Mm -hmm. work that we have to do it might be at a restaurant or in an office or Whatever, and I've had many jobs like that. Um, and that's work for someone else that you're doing f- 
for money. But then there's work. And you maybe love your office job or maybe you're a doctor or something important and you love the job. But for me, work is when I get home and I can work on my projects. I have design projects. I have video projects. I have podcast projects, mm-hmm. uh, app projects, you know. These are my work, and um, I really, I like doing work, and I like thinking, I like doing critical thinking and solving problems and mm-hmm. moving forward with my work. So I've come to the place where, like, like I guess when, when I was building my brain in my 20s, having having the release of, of, like, some psychedelic experiences seemed like exploration, and maybe now at this point in my life, Psycho, ex, psychonautic experiences seem more like avoidance of actually mm. thinking and doing things I like, things that I find important. Sure. I guess the, the the real thing to do here is to um, have an orgy with some of our friends and do mushrooms and <laughs> see how that happens, see how that works out. Um, so if you're listening yeah. to this <laughs> and you want to join our Patreon if you want to be in the orgy and take drugs with us. Disclaimer. Uh, they made us put in a disclaimer here uh, that you don't have to. They never said you had to, but our lawyers advised us we're supposed to put in a little disclaimer. All right. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, we I think learned this today. has been... We've explored vampiric behavior, human behavior, and uh, all the different kinds of love that exist. And I think the answer is to keep exploring, but don't waste time. (laughs) (laughs) Keep exploring. Keep thinking outside of the edges. If we like that part where bojack loses all his edges like yeah mm-hmm. it's it's fun because you don't normally notice the edges but then when they're gone it looks really weird and uh you know sometimes we got to lose our edges mm-hmm. we've got to come up with a, a catchphrase it's like uh i don't know about lose your edges but something like a keep looking down <laughs> that's on keep, it keep it together keep it together um keep your edges on tighten those edges <laughs> um tighten the screws and good luck <laughs> and, and uh stop being a slacker and work for the man no that's not what i'm saying <laughs> we'll come up with some catchphrases that's I'm not happy. my point at all <laughs> i'm not saying you're a slacker for doing drugs i'm just saying i i think we fetishize um leisure mm-hmm. to an extent mm-hmm. um we f- we fetishize hard work in this country, but we also fetishize leisure to the point where we mm-hmm. like break our backs working for the man, and then break our backs trying to relax. You know, force ourselves to yes. relax on the weekends. When absolutely, and maybe maybe this is how it it, it refer it it connects to the uh, the polycule of even mm. of. Uh, uh, equilibrium when the polycule yes. comes to equilibrium when everybody has the natural sort of power dynamic and um our mm. our work selves and our production and our like reason for being on this earth you know 
can be an equilibrium of leisure and work, but also work that you cherish, not just mm. work for hire. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was a lot of work. That sentence was a lot of work. <laughs> it was good. It's Thank late. you for putting in the effort. I'm hungry. We had a n- lovely baked chicken and um, uh, roasted potatoes with um, this, uh, pear and gorgonzola mm, salad. The pears. With extra pear. With extra pear. With extra pear. And, mm, and um, that's... Uh, <laughs> we, we, we we might consider we we haven't yet worked out all the patreon tiers but it may be like you know if you're really like a gold level you might have access to some recipes leftovers if you're a platinum level you might get some leftovers. If you, yeah if you really uh if you sign up for our top tier then you can come over and eat the chicken with us and be part of the orgy afterwards <laughs> Um, that's for the thousand dollar a month patrons. Comes with a pizza and a hand knitted scarf. <laughs> this has been BDFM. You can find us garagetv.com. That's G R A G E. GarageTV.com slash BDFM. And on Twitter, you can follow us at BDFM Pod. We're on Patreon, BDFM Pod. Subscribe on any of your uh, podcast devices. And um, that's it. I'm B. I'm D. I, I forgot which one I am. I'm, I'm D. D today. I'm D. It's backwards day. Backwards B and backwards D. And FM stands for fanboy mutation. Bye bye. BDFM. Are we still talking? No, we're done. I did it.